0: Hello and welcome to this Life
1: Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.
0: Now lean in and enjoy.
1: a series called Love Thy Neighborhood, which was really incredible. Um, Seeing people step out of their comfort zones, loving our city, it really is awesome. We've just started a prayer series in life groups. But off the back of Love Thy Neighborhood, just before all of these guys come in and minister, we thought we would speak a little bit on what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, be a follower of Jesus. And, and um, I, I wrote down three simple points as I understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. Number one is to be with Jesus. Number two is to be like Jesus. And number three is to do what Jesus did. That is pretty much the narrative of the Bible. It's firstly to be with Jesus. His saving story, the, the story that rips us out of darkness and brings us into life, returns us to relationship with the Father, that's the first one. It's to be with Him. The story of Mary and Martha in the Bible, the, the one lady who was just spending time with Jesus, the other one working her heart out, getting things done. Well, actually the call is to first be with Jesus. But then he doesn't stop there. Secondly, he says, be like Jesus. That it, it refers to transformation. It refers to change. For some people, change is a petrifying thing. It's a scare. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But actually, the Bible calls us to it. It calls us to change. Number two, be like Jesus. And number three is do what Jesus did. I think if we reverse this, we end in legalism. Yeah. If we start with doing what Jesus did and then progress to the next two, well, actually, what ends up happening is we, we live our lives, our relationship with Christ in out of obligation, yeah. which actually never sees fruit. The discipleship journey starts with being with Jesus, number two, being like Jesus, and then doing what Jesus did. And last week and this morning at our table view AM service, Gabe did such a phenomenal job of, of digging into what it means to be with Jesus, what it means to engage Jesus, what it means to come into relationship with Him. I want to say this evening, if you have not got a personal relationship with Jesus, He is calling you tonight. Yeah. He is passionate about your salvation. Yeah. If He wasn't, He wouldn't have died for it. He wants to see you raised to life in Christ. This, What this represents, Jesus wants to do in you. So firstly, and, and Gabe got stuck into that, and then tonight we're going to be taking a brief look because it is a massive topic of what it means to be like Jesus. And this is a, a huge topic. It has so many facets to it. But I'm going to attempt in a 20-minute space. Don't worry, I'll be 20 minutes. I know it's hard to believe when a preacher says that. But we're going to have a look at this. And and I believe these things of being with Jesus and being like Jesus are at the very core of what it means to be a disciple. And I know sometimes that word disciple can seem very foreign in our context. It's not one we use very often. Uh, Potentially an easier word for us to to relate to is apprentice. Or even a a word that doesn't really do it justice but to be a follower. To be one that learns from somebody. That is what... These two concepts of being with and being like Christ are absolutely pivotal to this journey that Jesus calls us to. He doesn't call us to any other journey. He doesn't call us to to do anything else other than to be with Him and to be like Him and to do what He does. He calls us to only this discipleship journey. And so in my mind, it's quite important. If it's what Jesus spent His time doing, His three years of ministry, He took 12 men and He made them disciples. He made them apprentices of him, yeah. which means that it is an important process. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in ministries or moments or events or, or lives and all of these things. And we start to lose the significance of this call. Yeah. That actually, we are called to be disciples of Jesus first and foremost. And so tonight I, I want to get stuck into this. And obviously, as I, I've said, first comes the be with, it comes the call. And, and Gabe got stuck into the scripture, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But in Matthew 4:18 it says, uh, Walking along the beach of, of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew. They were f- fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. And Jesus said to them, come with me. I will make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I will show you how to catch men and women... Instead of the fish, they didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed him. And what I want to very briefly do before I get stuck into a few thoughts is actually I believe that we need to put ourselves into the story. I say this often, but I think sometimes because the Bible is written differently potentially to what we're used to or, or seems foreign to us, sometimes we disassociate ourselves from the word. We go, that is informative, that is the Bible, but actually I'm in the 21st century. No, the word transforms us. Yeah. And so we are called to get stuck into the word. And, and so in this, in this particular scripture, I want to ask you, where did Jesus call you? Jesus was walking along a beach and he called these guys. It was a very normal thing. It wasn't a, a profound moment where the, the skies opened up and Jesus fell from the sky and he said, okay, let's do this thing. No, he was walking along a beach. I want to say to you, what what in your life was the beach? Maybe you attended a church service. Maybe you were at work with a colleague. And Jesus was in that moment calling you. Jesus has called you to be with him. And I think it's important for us to identify that moment. I think it's important for us as believers. And if you don't know Christ yet, I believe he's calling you. But actually for us to remember the moment that Jesus called us. I can imagine these two men often having to go back to this moment in their minds. When things didn't make sense. When things were tough. When they weren't 100% sure what Jesus was doing. When he spat on the ground and rubbed it into the sand and put it on somebody's eye. I can imagine the disciples were standing there going, not 100% sure what's going on here. I don't know about, I I suppose you guys would understand completely. But but I can imagine they would have had to refer back to this moment all the time. Going Oh yeah, Andrew. We were called by him. He met us. He yeah. called us. And so I think it's so pivotal that we remember those massive. We remember our baptism moments. The moments where Jesus called us. They are like these these uh, these stones that we put into the sand, and we say that was a moment that that helps me move forward. But then, obviously, comes this call to become like Jesus, to become an apprentice. Of Jesus to and and as it says, it literally means that thing to become more and more like Jesus every day. Yeah. It is not a, 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 a kind of cool thought, a spiritual thought, ethereal thought. No, actually, we are called to be like Jesus. Do the things he did, think the way he thought, act the way he acted. It's a big call. It's a scary call for some yeah. of us. But what does Jesus do? He says, I am going to heaven and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you the power of God so that you can do this. He doesn't leave us hanging. He says, I'm sending you the power of God so that you can become like me. That's great. Um, I love the word puts it like this. The scripture will be on the screen. And I'd love for us to read this together. If you have your Bibles, can you go to 1 John chapter 2? Um, it's a short book, so if you've got some time in the week, go and read it. But uh, in the beginning of chapter 2, and, and it'll, it's on the screen behind me, and it really is an incredible portion of scripture. It goes... My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't know about you, but those two verses are life changing. Come on if I take those two verses of scripture and I understand them, I will change the world. Why? Because actually it speaks of my Jesus who number one atoned for me and number two atoned for the entire world. It's this actually this, okay, it's not on my back anymore. He won the victory. But also for the sins of the whole world. And then it goes on. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Quite a strong scripture. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Sure. It's quite a radical call. It's quite a thing for us to process. That simple line, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. The ESV says walk in the same way in which he walked walk in the same way in which he walked i don't know if you've ever seen often uh, young children have the same walk as their father it's like they watch their dad walking and they develop those same like some guys have got you know the swagger and they just they bounce and you see a 3 year old bouncing and you're like wow that's skilled i can't do that and you see these guys will actually know they watch and they learn they are close to You'll see Gabe's baby. I'm sure it'll be a month in. She'll be walking exactly like Abel. Because obviously the genes are incredible here. Powerful. But actually we learn these things. And and we understand that actually in biblical days, men and women would be called to be apprentices to their rabbi in the Jewish tradition. There would be these teachers named rabbis. And uh, men would go and be taught by their rabbi. There's a, a kind of illustration of this. is actually that they would tie themselves to their rabbi. And they would be covered with their rabbi's dust because obviously he was walking in front. So he had it good. But then the guys behind him, kind of the first guy had it rough. No one really wanted the first job because that was the most dust. But actually they would get covered in his dust. Why? Because they were learning to walk as he did. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be like Jesus. We are called to be apprentices. I think in today's culture, particularly with young people, we don't understand this. I think young people want the, the fast track to... To um, to fame, to fortune, to all these things. We see Justin Bieber's who post a video of themselves on uh, on YouTube, and then two months later is one of the richest guys in the world. That is our culture, particularly with young people. It's this reality of actually you get what you want quite quickly. And I think we've lost this thing of what does it look like to learn? Yeah. What does it look like to, to to sit with someone? I know my dad is a. Um, He's a tool maker, and he's a very interesting man, but uh, he, when he left school at, at 18, he went to college. He learned how to make tools, and no, it's not a hammer, and uh, he didn't learn how to make those tools. A little bit more complicated than that. But then what he would do is for two years, he had to go and do an apprenticeship. Yeah. And I remember he told me he earned 100 rand a month. That was a long time ago. <laughs> um, he earned a 100 rand a month as an apprentice. But what he would do is he would sit next to the machine for hours, And watch the qualified toolmaker do what he did. He would learn exactly how those machines worked. He would learn exactly how the person who he was the apprentice of did his job. For two years, he would fetch the guy water, go get him lunch, and learn what he did. That's what he did. And I think in our younger cultures, we, we lose that. We lose the reality of actually putting in hours to learn that reality. And actually, Jesus calls us to the same thing. I want to say becoming like Jesus is not a quick process. Gabe said it this morning, it doesn't happen overnight. Actually, it can actually be at moments quite laborious. At moments challenging. At moments there's massive life and excitement around it. But actually there's this call over a period of time, actually over your entire life once you've met Christ, to become like Jesus. And so tonight what I I, I would love to do is, is look at three simple thoughts that I think will help us in this journey of becoming like Christ. Is that all right? I think sometimes it it can be, uh, we can hear these things preached from a pulpit, and we can go, oh, wow, that sounds amazing. But how do I outwork that? What does that look like for me? Because if we believe that this is the most important call we will ever receive in our lives, if this is the call that, that determines whether we are in relationship with Christ, becoming like Him, walking as He did, I think it is something that we must take the time and energy to learn how to do. Yeah. I don't think you become like something just like this. Actually, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes focus. And so three simple points I would love to go through tonight that I, I think will help us in understanding and growing in this space. Is number one, we are all becoming like something. Yeah. We are all becoming like something. Now for many of you, you might go, well I don't actually understand what you're getting at by that. But uh, it's quite an amazing thing that if you do not decide what you are going to become like, you will by default become like something. That is the process of our lives. In the same way that a young child learns to do things the same way his mom and dad do, or her mom and dad does, we by default become like something. I love, uh, it was almost four years ago, uh, Mark VP took over the leadership of Life Changes Church, and we had never used this word story before. We had never used it. It was a, it was this word, and, and if you hear Mark, he will often say it. He says, uh, you know, this the life changes story and all these kinds of things. That, and you had never heard that uttered in our church. But over the years, as Mark has said it, slowly but surely, more and more people are referring to their lives as stories. I don't think that happened by accident. And, and I think the culmination of this was a, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a gentleman in our church. He runs a business. He posted on Facebook about his business. He's just opened a Joburg branch. And he posted on Facebook, he said, the Joburg story has begun. And I was like, okay, good, Mark's in, he's in. He's got us speaking the way he does, he's got us doing all of these things, we, we're learning the Mark swagger, but actually because he is someone potentially that we esteem, he's someone that some of us spend a lot of time with, we become like him. We use similar terminology and, and these things, and actually in our lives, that process is exactly this, the same. Jesus said this, he says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. I think that is a radical illustration of what it looks like to be like Jesus. When we in our hearts can go, actually, I am choosing to become like Christ. Actually, I will only do what I see Jesus doing. And obviously that can only come out of relationship with Christ. I think we start to understand the gravity of what God is calling us to. That actually he, he himself said well actually I only do what I see my father do. So, such a radical call. I, I think we become like the things we give our attention to.
0: Yeah.
1: We become like the things we give our attention to. I think um, uh, uh, two weeks a week ago we as a staff we watched a video about Bill Hybels and, and he was speaking about how, um, you, how to intentionally spend your time. How to intentionally spend your time on certain things that you decide to do. I think so many of us leave our calendars to chance. And now I'm not saying that that is the the height of following Jesus. But actually when we start deciding what we're going to give our attention to, we will become like those things. It is a practical thing. It isn't incredibly spiritual. But actually the things we give our attention to is what we become like. We become like the things we find value in. Actually, when, when we find value in certain things, if you are a, um, a movie lover and you find value in going to movies all the time, eventually much of your speech will be about the movies that you've seen. We become like those things. We process our lives through those lenses. We become like the things we give our time to by the people we are surrounded by. The people we choose to surround ourselves with are what we become like. And I believe that Jesus is calling us to consistently... Surround ourselves with Him, that be with Jesus' reality. And then secondly, to consistently surround ourselves with people that help us become like Him. I think it's such a key element of this journey. Because if we understand that we are all becoming like something, we then understand that it is extremely important for us to decide what we want to become like. I think outside of Christ, I think... um, Often, and I don't have uh, much issue with sharing my story, but as a my dad w- was a man who drank a lot of alcohol, and I honestly believed that if I or believed that if I did not get saved, even though I saw how destructive it was, I would have become an alcoholic, because that is what I was taught would need to be my vice if life became challenging. But actually, because of Jesus, because of a change of decision, no, actually, I don't want to become like that thing. I want to become like Christ. That thing is cut off in my life. Yeah. Why? Because of the power of God, and because actively I have decided to become like Jesus, not to become like my parents. I, I think so often when people use this thing of, well, yeah, you know what, your family has been doing that for years, so you're probably going to end up doing that. I want to say to you that that is not true. I want to say to you that if your family has, has um, realities of alcoholism and all of that stuff, when Jesus meets you, that thing ends. Yeah. Yeah, Come on. Why? Because we are given a new bloodline. Yeah. We are born again. The word says we are born again. We are given a new lineage. Yeah. Becoming like Jesus. But actually I have to decide to engage that. Yeah. Our friends, our family, our role models. I think this is such a huge thing. The people that we esteem in our lives, the people that we put on the proverbial pedestals of our lives, we often end up becoming like. I want to say to you, be careful of who you think is important in your life. Because quite often you will shape your life around that person. Your decisions will be informed by that. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. Role models are great things to have. But I think it's important that we navigate who those people are. Because we are becoming like something. We want to endeavor to become like Christ. We are called to intentionally walk toward becoming like Jesus. Point number one, we are all becoming like something. Point number two, everything is spiritual. Yeah. Next one. There we go. So now you guys got a slight insight into my next point so you guys can think about that while I talk about this point. But everything is spiritual. And so for many of us, I think we process our lives through a um, a a lens of, well, spiritual things are church and the Bible and preaching and worship. Those are spiritual things. And then I've got my, my other things. I have my job and I have my family and I have all of these other things. Yeah. But actually the Word of God says that when we are in Christ, the book of Corinthians says when we are joined to God through Christ, we become one spirit in Him. Yeah. So therefore, if God is spiritual and I have Jesus inside me, Paul uses this language, he says, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then inadvertently, I am spiritual. Therefore, everything I do is spiritual. Everything I engage in is spiritual. I think the church created the, you may have heard this terminology before, the secular and the sacred divide. Actually, that is spiritual things, that is the church, and then there's work and earning money and having a family and all that kind of stuff. And fundamentally, the challenge with that is then we compartmentalize our relationship with Christ. We go, Jesus is for, for for church and for when I'm with my home group and we're chatting about that stuff. But actually, my process toward work and friends and all of those things is totally different. But actually, if we understand the Bible, if we understand what Christ did on the cross, yeah. we understand that everything in our lives is spiritual.
0: Yeah.
1: Every engagement is spiritual. And therefore, everything we do has a spiritual impact. Are you with me? Actually, everything we do has a spiritual impact impact. John Marcoma puts it like this, and I, I love the way he said this. He, he said, we are an accumulation of our habits. We as people are an accumulation of our habits. And then he goes on to speak about what it looks like to have kingdom habits. Because actually those are, those are the things that will see us grow into the more that Jesus becoming more like Christ. I think it, it is so incredibly important that we remove the spiritual, um, the sacred and secular divide and actually understand that everything we do is spiritual. And uh, he goes as far as to say that actually the things we do in our daily lives contribute towards our spiritual walk with God. So how's this for an interesting thought? And I know this might be a stretch of the imagination a little bit. But maybe, just maybe what you eat on a daily basis has an impact on your relationship with Christ. It's just a thought. But actually, I want to just show you the knock-on effect of that. Well, actually... What you eat has an effect on, on how you are. And how you are has an effect on how you engage people and God. And therefore, your relationship with Christ is affected. If you want to be an impactful, effectful person, eat well. <laughs> Exercise. Because John Mark says, these habits lend towards us having a fruitful life for Christ. Yeah. Actually, eat well. You'll be able to wake up a little bit earlier and spend time with God and spend time in His Word. Which is a kingdom habit. These are things I'm learning. I grew up on burgers. It's a real thing. Okay, I love roadhouse burgers. If you've been to Joburg, go to a roadhouse. Basically, it's like the Lord's food he gave us. It's very nice. No, I'm not joking. But, um, but actually, I grew up on burgers. And when I went to a roadhouse, it was a pink milkshake, as I called it when I was six. And a margarita pizza. But actually, I realized I can't eat that every day. Why? Because I will become ineffective in what God has called me to. And so what we start to understand is that actually everything we do is spiritual. I want to say to you, when you are in meetings at work, that is a spiritual space. What I'm not saying is start shouting in tongues in the middle of your meeting. Please don't hear what I'm not saying because that will be unhelpful. But actually every engagement with your boss, every engagement with your colleagues, every engagement with your friends is a moment where they can see Christ in you. And that is why we must take the process of becoming like Christ so seriously. Because maybe you are the only jesus anybody will see in their life they might never step into a church but they might engage with jess at work and see christ our conversations with family our exercise times all of these contribute positively or negatively towards our becoming like christ please do not compartmentalize your life there is not a god box and a work box and a friend's box jesus calls us to do everything out of relationship with him sure so good everything Sometimes it's tough with work. Sometimes those things are are difficult. But actually, when that is happening in isolation, it is difficult. But when it is happening out of relationship with Christ, we can face those challenges easily. Because actually, we see the joy in God. We see the possibilities in God. I want to say to you, if you've got a tough boss, he might just be the guy who God has called you to see come to know him. He might just be. I'm not saying he is, but he might be. But when we understand that everything is spiritual... Our lenses shift. We understand the importance of becoming like Christ. Number one, we are all becoming something. Number two, everything is spiritual. And number three, Christ is enough. He is, in fact, more than enough. And you might say to me, well, obviously, Tyler, that's what you've been speaking about the whole night, (laughs) which is fair. But actually, I want to say this, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's it. Jesus plus nothing. Yeah, that's an exciting point. Gabe got excited. I don't know about, okay, that's fine. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I want to say this to you tonight, that becoming like Christ is the only requirement we have to living a radical life and walking into the call of God. It is the only requirement because the Bible says that Jesus has given us everything for life and godliness. It doesn't just say godliness. It says for life and godliness. Jesus is enough in your workplace, sir or ma'am. Jesus is enough for your marriage. Jesus is enough for your family. Jesus is enough for your friendships. Why? Because he, out of him, those things will find life. Those things will be impactful. I think sometimes we can reduce it to going, well, Jesus is awesome for church. or Jesus is amazing in the morning when I'm reading my Bible. But actually, he is enough for everything. I want to say to you, sir or ma'am, Jesus is not scared of your sin. He's not cowering at the thought of you sinning. No, actually, he defeated your sin, and he wants to help you see that. He's not scared of sin. He's not, um, he's not outraged by your past. He's not going, well, I can't believe Travis did that. Right, I just can't get. No, he is engaged in that space. Actually, he redeemed that space. But I think sometimes we go, well, "Yeah, Jesus is not enough for my past. No, he dealt with your past. Become like him. He's not outraged by your past. He's not surprised or taken aback by your present. I want to say to you, sir or man, when challenges face uh, come against you, Jesus knew they were going to happen. He's not taken aback by them. He's not surprised. Actually, it might just be a call for you to push into him more. It might just be a call for you to fight to become more like Christ. The Bible says that in our trials, we are shaped by God. In our trials, He He knocks off the rough and sharp edges. But so many of us run from those things because, well, actually, is Jesus enough for that thing? I'm just about finished. I really believe that if we can practically take this call of becoming like Jesus seriously we will see radical transformation, not only in our own lives, but in the people's lives around us. Because there is, if we look at the Word of God, Jesus is the solution to the world. The Father presented us with the solution to the world. His name is Jesus. He is coming back one day for His bride, and we are called in this time to see as many people become part of that bride as we possibly can. Why? Because we have the privilege of knowing Jesus. But I want to say to you that there are millions of people who do not. And I think sometimes we think, well, the church must organize a rally, or we must get big speakers in an open field, and people will get saved. No, the primary vehicle that God has decided to use to transform the world is you and me. I know it is ludicrous, but he has chosen to do it. He has chosen to use his sons and daughters to transform the world. I would plead with you to take this call to become like Jesus seriously. It is a daily walk. This week I planned my week so that I could be 100% sure that I spent time with God every day. I want to say to you that that discipline is not easy. But there is fruit in that discipline. When I understand that actually I walk into a gym and I connect with a mate who's going through a really rough time. And I have the opportunity to pray with him. Why? Because my lens is shifting. And I'm understanding that every moment is spiritual my lens is shifting. God wants to change us. And I want to land with this, that actually I realize that sometimes change can seem very daunting. Sometimes change can seem impossible. But I want to say to you today that when we embrace the reality of Jesus transforming us from the inside out to become more like him, change becomes possible. Outside of Christ, you will not find freedom from addiction, from brokenness, from all of those things. But in Him, we see radical transformation. Can I pray for us? Father God, I thank you for this incredible group of young people and older people also. Sorry, I'm used to youth on a Friday night. My apologies. (laughs) That's generally my opening line in my prayers. But anyway. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your victory on the cross, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you call us in this time to become like your son. In the same way that you, Jesus, spoke those words, I do only what I see my father doing. I pray that for us, Jesus, we would do only what we see you doing, God. That we would cultivate our relationship with you, Jesus, so that we can become more like you. I thank you in this moment, Jesus, you would deal with our pasts. You would bring freedom from those spaces so that we can walk into the more that you have for us. I pray that, God, in this moment, you would call us to this apprenticeship journey. That we would sit at your feet, Jesus, and learn your ways. That we would sit with your word, God, and learn your ways. Thank you, God, that our primary call is to know you. To become like you, Jesus. So I pray for boldness in this room to behold you, Jesus, and then to walk boldly for you, God. Because you, that, that principle that we become what we behold, God, I pray that every person in this room would behold you, Jesus, with everything inside of us. We love you, King of Kings. We adore you, King Jesus. In your incredible name, God. Amen.